It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, a bit of a good news, bad news on this podcast. This is a reminder that there will not be one on Thursday and Friday and or Monday as I will be traveling. Also, the head cold has only gotten worse. So there's the bad news. The good news is I'm still trying to do the podcast and powering through it. Uh, I now have this. I, I know my voice is deep to begin with, but I assume it's even a little bit deeper and I uh, got some gravel. So let's talk about the news of the day before we talk about the Washington Nationals. So let's dive into the news. Uh, we have more catching news, my favorite thing. We have a pair of catchers signing today. Uh, we're just never going to run out of catching news. Stephen Voigt got $3 million uh, to sign today. He is joining the Diamondbacks. Uh, he'll undoubtedly platoon, play some outfield, play some first base. After missing all of 2018, you know, he is a two-time All-Star. The uh, let's, see, let's check the age. He is... 35, uh, just turned at the top of the month, didn't play at all in 2018, had a nice rebound season this year, Um, again, above average offense, especially for the catching position, defense, um, using the defensive ratings over on baseball reference, which are kind of mediocre, he was about average, $3 million on this catching market, solid pickup, I know there's some Rays fans who are not going to be happy that we're kind of uh, looking at him as a, a a platoon candidate or a you know, kind of a two-headed monster at the catching position. And then the other one is kind of interesting just because I don't think anyone really was looking at or talking about um, Dustin Gaudreau. He, you know, he had 35 games this year, 101 plate appearances, 28 with the Angels, 7 with Oakland. One of those guys who performed well in the minors um, but had never really... It, you know, given a few opportunities, like the the performance this year was was solid offensively. People speak well of his his defensive production, um, good uh, on base skills in the minors. But for a guy who's been just kind of up and down his whole career to get six hundred fifty k guaranteed, that's that shows that he's going to be no worse than the uh, the Astros backup. Which again, it makes sense for him to go to the Astros as he has been extremely productive in the minors, and they seem to value that type of production and those guys who kind of slip through the cracks more than just about any other organization right now. So sadly, that is all the catcher's news we have. We'll end the podcast. I'm kidding. Uh, The other piece of news relating to the Cleveland Indians was that uh, they recently designated for assignment Nick Goody. They had to let him go to add one of the... Uh, Scott Moss was kind of the guy they, I imagine, was the final ad when Goody was the final cut. He was claimed by the Rangers today, so he'll go through arbitration, likely get $1.1 million, and then the Rangers actually have three years of control. So I understand why the Rangers uh, rolled the dice. He didn't have a bad season by any means this year. It was a, a nice bit of a rebound season, but at the same time, he never really kind of, and I didn't expect him to ever get back to where he was. In 2005, when you know it was a strikeout rate nearly 12 per nine, walk rate of 3.3, both of those were career bests. The home run rate at 1.2, also a career best. The hit rate at 6.4, also a career best. I mean, he was phenomenal that year, but in his age 25 year, it was definitely the outlier. You look, you take that year out, and last year was the second best year of his career. Um, 
and he he did perform well. Um, the strikeout rate was back up again, but the walk rate was also up. The home run rate was down from a year ago, but the hit rate was lower. Uh, I totally see why you would roll the dice on him, and I totally see why the Indians also decided to move on rather than guarantee him a million plus. Um, good gamble by the Rangers. Um, I think there were other teams who would have made that gamble as well. And again, that just speaks to the depth of the Indians uh, overall system where someone like him who is cut off the 40 man gets snapped up pretty quickly, gets added to the roster. It's why I think we're going to see at least one player taken in the rule five draft in a couple weeks. It's uh, you have a very deep system. The other side of that, if you didn't, if you're looking for teams that have very little depth, that would be the Washington nationals. Uh, a very interestingly run team, uh, not always the biggest fan of their drafts on day one, but day two, we tend to match up uh, very well. That hasn't really worked out for them, so I don't know what that says about my ability either. But they, they take an interesting approach where they buy supporting pieces, and they kind of went out of their way this year to buy a bullpen, and it worked out. Uh, they almost never trade their top-end guys. Uh, the Adam Eaton deal was kind of the, the one big trade I can think of in recent memory where they, you know, Lucas Giolito, but at that point there was already some whispers and concerns. Yes, he rebounded this year in a big way, but going into this year, Lucas Giolito's stock was very low. Dane Dunning, to some people, was the, the biggest piece in that trade. Um, you know, that that was about the biggest trade they've made. The rest of their minors right now, you've got Carter Kaboom, who will likely start next year in the bigs, had some time in the majors this year. Um, when you got Trey Turner... Maybe Kaboom plays second or third, depending on if they keep Rendon, if they sign someone else. We'll see what they do. I I think they'll end up with one of the big three third basemen. It, I don't know who yet, but between Rendon, Donaldson, and Moustakis, I, I think they'll add one of those guys. Uh, the rest of their minors, though, um, Will Crow is pretty high up there, who the Indians drafted twice and didn't sign. He had a really rough year in AAA. Luis uh, Garcia is the shortstop who had a rough year in double-A, but was a top 100 guy to start the year. You look at their minors, and it's um, even more pronounced than, like, the Indians, where you go to the Fangraphs board, and, you know, they've got 30-odd prospects, and only, I think, five or six are in double-A or higher. It's almost entirely, when you see a list like that, why is it there so many in A-ball? It's because those guys haven't really had a chance to flame out yet. That means the upper minors are just so incredibly weak. And you have all these guys who have ceiling and potential, but you realize at the same time that like these guys with these really high-end ceilings, um, the flame-out rate is just so high. And that also makes it hard for them to go out there and make trades because they don't. teams want you know double-A and higher centerpieces for the most part. And the Nationals just don't have that to offer. They lost. They have a lot of players in free agency. They have a lot of open spots in their 40-man. This is a team that probably should be active in the Rule 5 draft. They should be seeing if there's anyone they think can help them out because they have so many roster spots. It'll be easy to uh, to slot one or two guys in there and roll the dice. So how do they look for trade partners with the Cleveland Indians? Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, let's talk about Away.com. They are a sponsor for the week. Away.com creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com backslash locked on and use the promo code locked on during checkout. 
Listening on the go, you can visit all of our offers on LockedOnPodcast.com backslash offers. For a team known for their payroll spending, the Washington Nationals right now actually do not have a lot of money on the books. Max Scherzer is making a extremely large amount of money this year. Um, Patrick Corbin's making a little more than $19 million if you go through and you look at a lot of these guys. But a lot of players came off the books with Rendon and Strasburg opting out. And then when you look at um, well, uh, Ryan Zimmerman coming off the books as well. You know, Adam Eaton is at 9.5. That's kind of at the high end. 9 for Annabelle Sanchez. Uh, 6.5 for Doolittle. There's not, they're still paying Rafael Soriano in deferred money. Fun fact, and will be through 2024. But as you can see, it's, it's there's a, the top end of the roster, and then you get past them, it's like Kurt Suzuki at $6 million. You look at their batters, so let's just talk about, like, in terms of just their hitters, their top three highest-paid hitters. Adam Eaton at 9.5, Trey, Trey Turner, who's expected to get 7.5 in arbitration, and then Kurt Suzuki at $6 million. Michael Taylor, a backup outfielder making 3.25, would be fourth. That is how young they are at this point, and that's, of course, not going to stay that way. But uh, they're in a position where they could easily add a player or two in free agency. And we'll, you know, we'll see what happens with this. They are a team that has the most open 40-man spots. They have the most money to play around with, um, really, when you look at the big picture of things. The downside to it, of course, is that one could argue of the biggest free agents on the market, that they have like two out of three um, leaving their team. And once you lock those guys up, it really takes away some of that flexibility. But right now, uh, they have that flexibility, and they're going to likely uh, try to go out and add some pieces, try to re-sign their guys. I think that's going to be the priority, is trying to make sure they don't lose out on Rendon, who's been their heart and soul, and um, Strasburg. Though I would not be shocked on the other side of things if they decide to chase Garrett Cole and eschew Strasburg, since Cole is younger and does not have as many arm-related uh, issues in his past, on top of the fact that Strasburg just threw a lot of innings, the highest amount ever in his career, and that could make them a little bit leery about uh, chasing him when you have someone like Cole on the market. So when you look at them... Do they make sense for a trade with the Indians? Um, there's a level where you can kind of see the beginnings of a, a Francisco Lindor deal with Carter Kaboom as the centerpiece going back. The problem is they just, you know, it, it would have to be something along the lines of, like, Kaboom and Treya Turner. Like, that is essentially the only way I could see um, a deal like that occurring just because the Indians could be like, well, we split and we got two guys that can step in and help right away and they can fill those infield spots and we'll kind of figure it out from there. Turner, uh, if you weren't paying attention at home, he, this past year, had 35 stolen bases in 40 attempts, uh, 19 home runs, 37 doubles, while playing a solid shortstop, hitting 298. Kaboom only had uh, 43 plate appearances, and they were a struggle, but he is a young kid. We'll see what he can do going forward, but that's essentially the only way if you looked at like the big deal. Now, it is really interesting to jump over to baseball reference and look at their lineup. Uh, the guy who got the most games at catcher, Jan Gomes, free agent. Most games at first base, Matt Adams, free agent. Brian, most games at second base, Brian Dozier, free agent. Most games at shortstop, Jay Turner. Most games at third base, Anthony Rendon, free agent. And then their outfield is in place, and that's where they're set between with Soto, Robles, and Eaton. So essentially right now you have Sobel, 
Soto, Robles, and Eaton, along with Turner, and then a bunch of question marks. Um, Kurt Suzuki is likely going to be their catcher. He formed a uh, platoon with Jan Gomes. He played in 85 games, Gomes in 97. I don't know. Maybe they'd be interested in bringing back Gomes. Maybe the Indians would be. I mean, uh, replacing Kevin P with if you could pay about the same amount of money and get Gomes, there's a logic in that and having uh, someone who can handle the, the staff well there. Uh, you know, I mentioned Michael Taylor is making a good chunk of money, but he really wasn't super productive. And, he, yeah, he had a zero war last year. Um, six years in the majors, mostly as a backup, and only one year where he was an above-average producer, and that was 2017. So they, they just don't have those pieces to trade. Um, their pitching staff... Their bullpen was put together with spare parts, and a lot of those guys also were free agents to be. Um, it's, you know, Tanner Rainey is a guy that uh, I've never been as high on as the field. The stuff's fantastic, but, you know, the walk rate of seven. Uh, yeah, they're a team that I just can't see a natural fit with the Indians at this point because they don't have depth. They don't have, if the Indians make a trade, they're going to be looking to um, to move for some depth. If we're looking more low end, we can try to dig there at the low end because if they don't sign a starter, their rotation is going to be Corbin, Scherzer, uh, Sanchez, and Eric Fetty. And even if they sign a starter, Eric Fetty is your fifth, and maybe that's a place where they look to improve. And that's where the Indians could trade them a you know a solid workman like guy like a Pletko, a Plesac. Those two guys would definitely fill into that fifth spot and provide more than Fetty provided a year ago. So what could the Nationals offer that would make sense? Is there anyone who could help the Indians out? Because if they move one of these starters, they're going to want help now. It's natural to start with Luis Garcia. He's considered the number two guy in the system. But really an unimpressive uh, year in double A. And when you're looking for those indicators, his father played in the big leagues. He was in double A at the age of 19. Now the question is, he didn't perform well in double-A. So do you give him bonus points for being in double-A at 19? Um, or were the Nationals aggressively pushing him through the minors to kind of inflate value? Because we have heard of teams doing that. He, I mean, the Indians could use more shortstops. He's interesting. Um, Will Crow, I mentioned before, he doesn't move the needle too much for me in terms of stuff. There's a few guys that did stand out just in terms of what they did, what I think they could do. Um, some interesting names. So Drew Mendoza was a, a draft pick this past year, a third-round pick in A-ball, uh, likely short-season A-ball, as I look at it. He was really good, 23% K rate, but a 14% uh, walk rate. He has always had a really good eye, dating back to his time at Florida State. Uh, weighted on base, runs created, uh, all really good. He's, he's an interesting guy. I don't think it's ever going to be there as a hitter, but I think he could be a solid third baseman maybe maybe ends up at first base or outfield definitely has the arm for third or outfield who could hit for power and be more of a three outcomes type of talent sterling sharp is someone i want to talk about he's one of the rare guys in the upper minors of the national system you know he has a really smart guy who taught himself um a pitch by looking at grips on the internet this year in double a Strikeout rate over eight, walk rate about two and a half, home run rate was non-existent, uh, really nice FIP, really good data. He was a day three pick a few years ago, 
He is 24 years of age. Um, he's not a top prospect, but he's one of those guys I'd be fighting for as a secondary piece. When you get those guys who are smart, who work the craft, that is exact with the walk rate like that. That is exactly the type of guy the Indians take and find a whole nother level of. This is he could be the next guy in that vein of the uh, you know the Saval, Plesac, and uh, and Bieber. Now no one's going to necessarily be Bieber, but the Indians have had luck with this build and figuring out how to make it work, how to find more in that player. So Sterling Sharp would definitely be kind of the secondary piece. And the other guy I have to talk about is the Nationals' first round pick, which I was kind of shocked when Jackson Rutledge fell to them. And he would kind of fit what the Canadians like, um, at least when they had their old pitching coordinator, as he's just this behemoth with um, a huge fastball. And I mean, he was utterly overpowering in low A and A ball this year. Had a little bit of time in each, not a ton of innings, but you just look at the data. It's you know strikeout rate over ten, walk rate around three. Uh, guys have a hard time getting his stuff. He's going to be intimidating. I think he's likely going to be a reliever long term, but fastball slider comes out there at six foot eight, and he's just gonna could be a, another fun addition to the, to the Indians bullpen futures in a way but that's kind of where they are that's that's the system there's not really anyone who's going to help right away that's that's kind of where it gets difficult like if you flip one of these pitchers it's because you know you have depth and you're okay getting some pieces that maybe can help you mid-year at best or will help you in a year Um, kind of like what they did with Jan Gomes where you look at that trade and you know the major piece didn't help them at all this year the tertiary piece um, struggled with injuries throughout the year, and the secondary piece did bail them out when they really had a need. But it would kind of be a deal similar to that. Like that's what I'm kind of looking at. Uh, Tim Kate is a lefty who I think fits their profile as well. Similar numbers to um, to Sharp, though he did it in A, where Sharp was doing that in Double A. Uh, yeah, that's like I said, this is kind of the problem with the system. You know, Israel Pineda, I think a lot of people were higher on a few years ago. Luis Garcia, he's trending back. A lot of people in this system are trending backwards. Will Crow is probably trending backwards. It's not a system where you're seeing a lot of guys trend up. Uh, Mason Denneberg was a recent first-round pick who just hasn't been healthy enough to show much. So Washington Nationals are a hard fit for the Indians. It's hard to see it work. Um they have the need. The Indians' pitching depth would definitely make sense, even if they were to re-sign Strasburg or to add another pitcher in free agency. Starting pitching is still a definite need, but the pieces just make it hard. Their lack of depth is what's going to set the Nationals back in terms of any type of trade or trade partner. Um, but we'll see. The, I wouldn't have expected the Jan Gomes deal a year ago, and that worked out really good for the Indians. And, I mean, in the end, the Nationals made that trade and helped them win a World Series, so they're not complaining either. I want to thank you all for listening. We are down to one more NL team. I get to do a whole podcast devoted to the Mets, and I can't wait for that one, nor should you. The Mets are definitely my National League crush in terms of roster construction, excess players. They are the one other team I think makes the most sense for a Francisco Lindor deal, even maybe more so than the Dodgers. I think the Mets are the team that makes the most sense for a trade for Francisco Lindor. So get ready for that. Um, That'll be coming next Tuesday. Thank you all. Remember to rate and review, tell a friend. Um, Even if you're behind a bit, just download them and delete them. Do all that stuff to help us out. Uh, Reviews are great. It always kind of hurts my soul a little when I go on... uh, 
I do a quick uh, search and I see on Stitcher we have one review and it's two stars. So if, if you want to go on Stitcher and help balance that out so we don't look quite as terrible because it's always the Stitcher review on top as well, even though we've got like 30 reviews on iTunes. More reviews on iTunes, also awesome, helping our numbers out. Um, I appreciate that. So this is just a call to action, a free podcast. Um, so those reviews are huge. They're really huge. They help help us in all of the metrics. So please, um, if you've enjoyed this show, drop a review on whatever you listen on on multiple ones if you'd want I, I would really appreciate that so please consider doing that to me as a uh, thanksgiving or black friday gift uh, i hope you've enjoyed listening uh, in spite of this terrible head cold uh, thank you all again and as always go tribe hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today Thank you.